All right, the college football playoff committee uh, spoke for the first time this season on Tuesday night. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We are now joined the sports of my David Kenyon of Bleacher Report. David, always good to have you on. Let's start with number one, Ohio State, number one in the initial CFP rankings. Uh, would Ohio State have been your choice? Bob, good to be back. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's probably not the place I would have gone because I think the – the trouble with, with the rankings and what makes it so fun is all the inconsistencies the committee has. I would go with Michigan. Uh, they haven't played anybody. We, we know that. But they have been so overwhelmingly good in all of those games that Michigan has been the single best team. And then you look around the rest of the poll and you have teams that are you know playing better than one team. And even though they might have not had as impressive a resume, they're ahead but then in other places it's not, including at the top. And so I don't know. I, I think ultimately they couldn't really go wrong with Ohio State, Georgia, or Michigan. I personally would have had Michigan, but we'll have this all play out in this final exciting month coming up for sure. Okay, so let, let's get into Georgia. And, uh, well, actually, let's start with Ohio State. Uh, what do you consider to be their strengths and weaknesses at this point of the season? The strength, uh, interestingly enough, based on last year and what we expected coming into this year, has been the defense. Ohio State has done such a good job defensively. That's what's given them a chance to win the entire season. They, they currently lead the, the nation in yards allowed per play, which is a, a far better metric than the yards per game. Um, and so Ohio State we thought was going to have a juggernaut of an offense, and that has simply not been the case. Kyle McCord's been okay, and Marvin Harrison Jr. has been awesome, but the the rest of the offense that we expected to just be incredible has really not been that way. So defense has been the absolute strength. The weakness is going to be if, if the defense gives up 27 points in a game, can the offense keep up with that? Yeah, Georgia number two. Uh, one of the strengths and weaknesses of the dogs at this point, the two-time defending national champions, even though I kind of go crazy when I hear other people say that, so I probably shouldn't say it because they're really not the defending champions because they lost a lot of guys the last two years to the NFL. But anyway, sorry, I couldn't help myself there. What are the strengths and weaknesses for you for Georgia this year? Uh, again, for for Georgia, similar to Ohio State, is the defense hasn't played up to the level of, that we saw the last two years. But as you mentioned, there were a lot of NFL players on those defenses, so that's okay. But Carson Beck has has really not gotten a lot of shine this year, um, and Kirby Smart kind of went off a little bit about how Beck is disrespected. But I, I don't think that's true. I think he's just been so quietly consistent behind a really good offensive line that we haven't had a lot of splashy, flashy things to talk about with Georgia. So I think the strength is just the overall balance that Georgia has. There's really no seriously weak spot on that entire roster. I, I'm not sure that I have a specific weakness for Georgia. It's just basically going to be, is the offense that doesn't have those big flashy plays that hasn't run the ball dominantly. They've been very efficient, but they haven't been overwhelming. If that takes a step back, will the defense that, again, isn't quite as good as years past, which was a very high bar, is that going to be something that they can overcome? And we're certainly going to see that over these next three weeks. Got number 14, Missouri, number 11, Ole Miss, number 19, Tennessee, all coming up. Yeah, that would be fun for sure. 
You mentioned Michigan. The schedule obviously has not been very difficult. So the schedule strengths in the hundreds right now. Never mind all the off the field BS. Uh, what might be some questions for Michigan on the field at the moment? And that's a, it's a really good question because I do not have a single one right now because they have been so overwhelmingly good. Uh, that's the word I always go back to with these top teams, and, and Michigan has been every bit of that. Early in the season, they you know they were running away from teams, but they weren't winning fifty to four, fifty to four, um, fifty to three. How about that? Let's make it a football score. Um, and so they they were good early on, but they had a little bit of issue of like really pouring on uh, the scoring. But that has not been the case in in the last month or so. They've scored 45 plus points in four straight games. So I am eager to see where we might think this Michigan team can falter. And certainly that big test is going to start happening next week at Penn State. Yeah, we got some new committee members this year. Did, did we learn anything from them? And anything surprise you last night? Um, to be the pessimist here, nothing surprises me because I expected ridiculousness because that's what we've we've come to know this committee as constantly. I, I mean, if, if you'll indulge me for a second, basically when I looked back through this yesterday, I saw Ohio State's resume mattered more than Michigan's eye test. And Washington's head-to-head win mattered more than Oregon's eye test. And Texas' resume mattered more than a head-to-head win. But then Louisville's head-to-head win mattered more than Notre Dame's resume. And then Kansas's eye test mattered more than Oklahoma State's head-to-head win. And Oklahoma State's head-to-head win mattered more than Kansas State's resume. So I don't understand where everything is going, where anything is going. Nothing is surprising me, despite the fact that there are shocking things in here that really just aren't shocking anymore because we expect them, if that makes sense. Okay. I had to follow along closely there, but I think I did a pretty good job of that. So that, that was interesting. Uh, David Kenyon of Bleacher Report, currently in the sports zone. All right, away from the CFP stuff, you know, the David Kenyon you know, mindset thing here. You know, who are the most surprising teams to you this season in college football? It doesn't have to be somebody that's in the top 25, but who, who's, what teams have surprised you the most? Florida State definitely would be the highest-ranked team that has been a surprise just because a couple of years ago we were wondering if Mike Norvell was going to last at Florida State. He had a very similar start to Willie Taggart, and Taggart was fired pretty quickly. Uh, so they're definitely up there. Missouri and Louisville right in the middle of the top 25 Um I, both, I expected both to make the make a bowl game pretty easily, but to be 7-1 and one entering the final month, Missouri has a, a shot, whether you think it's a great shot or not, okay, but they have a shot to take the SEC East if they beat Georgia this week. Again, don't think it'll happen, but it's there. Louisville's in the best spot to make the ACC championship game other than Florida State, and that's remarkable. Um, outside of the top 25, I think the biggest ones for me are Liberty in the first year uh, of Jamie Chadwell coming over from Coastal Carolina. Um, he, they, they're 8 0 already in the Conference USA Championship game. That's, that's incredible. Um, Arizona's midseason rise here has been really fun to watch. Um, so definitely a shout out for Arizona, especially in your neck of the woods in that in the state too. Um, and then Rutgers, hey, starting six and two, they're probably going to finish six and six because the the schedule is brutal the rest of the way. But Greg Schiano entered the season on on the hot seat ish, 
and there's no way we're even talking about that at the end of the season now. And I, I don't think Air Force surprised me as much. They were kind of my number two in the Mountain West, but Air Force has played so much better than I anticipated as well that I'm really hoping for Air Force to go undefeated and make a New Year's Six Bowl. Okay, so let's flip this. Who have been the most disappointing team so far for you this season? Ooh, yeah, um, I, I think from a from a small perspective, um, I would I'd probably lean toward. Uh, I mean, Clemson for sure. I had really high expectations for Clemson. Um, I, I think on a smaller scale, probably like Texas Tech. Um, UCF was hurt by an injury to quarterback John Reese Plumley. I thought US, UCF would be more competitive in the first year in the Big 12, too. Um, Illinois, I thought, was a borderline bowl team, but Illinois has really just plummeted really quickly. So that, that hasn't been a whole lot of fun to watch. Um, other than that, I, I think Clemson is, is definitely the, the big, huge one. Arkansas sitting at 2-6. and six and very, very likely to miss a bowl was, was a bummer, too. Um, but I, I think I'd probably say most of my disappointment is in the Big 12, where UCF and Texas Tech, I just thought those were going to be second-tier contenders, maybe hang around into November, get an upset, uh, and, and cause a little bit of chaos, and that's, that's really just not happening at all. Let's talk a little more about Clemson here. You know, I think everybody's been, you know, we're all aware about the fact that they really haven't, or Dabo hasn't really gone to the, tran the transfer portal much or hardly at all, if at all. Uh, to me, you know, he lost some assistant coaches over the last few years, and it seems like that those guys haven't been adequately, uh, adequately replaced. Uh, it seems like the uh, some of the talent that they brought in, are they getting coached up? I think they are. I think what you've seen is uh, Davos' stubbornness kind of coming back to bite him. I do think Garrett Riley, uh, offensive coordinator, coming over from TCU after last season, I think he'll be okay um, in the long run. I think that there's a different kind of personnel matching that he, he had at TCU that he didn't immediately have at Clemson. And I think if, if this is going to work again, and I'm very confident it will, um, that the approach that Swinney has taken in the transfer portal is going to have to change or they're going to have to overhaul through recruiting extremely quickly. And that's, that's pretty much a, a two or three year project. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to have to loosen up. I think they've got a good staff. You definitely see the, the drop off from Brent and Venables to, to a new def defensive coordinator, but it's not like Clemson's defense has been bad either. I, I think it's just one of those things you have to, acknowledge that Brent Venables is one of the single best defensive coordinators in the game. So whoever you get after him is going to be a step back and throw in the fumbling issues. And I don't know if that's coaching. I, I you know, it's, it's easy to try to point everything on, on something, but at some point these are very talented players and they just got to hold on to the ball. So there's, there's a whole lot of everything going on. I think Clemson will be okay. But like you said, I think they're going to have to, really look at the transfer portal as an asset and not something that they're shying away from. The Pac-12, strong as it's been in years and the farewell season of the Pac-12, in essence. Uh, yeah, I know that Washington beat Oregon, but you might already answer this question uh, when you're talking about the, you know, the top four or five, I guess top six if you go to Oregon now. Uh, but am I wrong to think that Oregon is better than Washington? Oh, no. That's on, on the field in the last month, 
strictly from a, an overall performance perspective, Oregon has clearly been the better team. The challenge with that is they were clearly not the better team the one day it mattered. So I, I, I would always go with head-to-head over eye test because either the games matter or they don't. That's the way I would always say. But if we get mm-hmm. to a point where let's just let's say obviously you're going to have Michigan or Ohio State lose, you just need one of Florida State or Georgia to lose once, and then Oregon is going to be in this conversation. And the other thing, too, is if Oregon wins out, they're going to be in the Pac-12 championship anyway and can beat Oregon, uh, beat Washington in a rematch potentially, and they would definitely jump Washington in that case, being a conference champion with a split head-to-head regardless and looking like the better team. So Oregon has everything in control um, as far as, like, you can't control destiny. Uh, that, that'd be the hill I would die on. Um, but they, they control their path. To, to the college football playoff for sure. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about Oregon being screwed or something in the end because ultimately they're either going to be 12-1 and one and going to the college football playoff or they will not be 12-1 and one and not going to the college football playoff. So I think it's pretty simple. But, yeah, definitely Oregon is a better team than Washington right now. Okay, let me see if I – I don't think I have any control your own destiny questions upcoming here, so I'm going to make sure I, if I did, I'm going to cross those off real real fast here. Talking with David Kenyon from Bleacher Report. Okay, let's get into some of the games this week. Uh, LSU at Alabama, uh, the Tide in revenge mode after losing in the last play uh, to Jaden Daniels and uh, the, uh, the, the Tigers last year in Baton Rouge. Uh, what are you looking for in this game on Saturday, the so-called you know, the rematch, so to speak? I'm very excited to see Jaden Daniels against the best defensive front he will have seen so far this season. Um, Alabama has not has not excelled uh, to the level that I anticipated. It's it's a little bit quieter than quieter than I thought as far as disruption. But they have so much depth as far as who they'll send at you, and they bring a lot of pressure from the secondary as well. Um, And so it's just a really interesting matchup because Jaden Daniels has been the single best quarterback in the nation this year, easily the most productive. Um, But now, unlike last year, you know, this game is in Tuscaloosa, so LSU won't have the home field advantage. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of going back and forth on this game and which way I think it's going to go. I think I generally default toward home field advantage in, in these close games. You, you see that constantly around college football. So I think I'd probably go with Alabama, but I'm very, very excited to watch Jaden Daniels get another shot at this Alabama defense. You mentioned Missouri, and you talk, we talked about Georgia, but you know, they play Saturday. Uh, Missouri last year led this game by two scores. They led by double digits in the fourth quarter, but they lost the game in Columbia. You know, we, I think we both agree that Georgia's going to win, but how, how can Missouri hang in this game or maybe pull the upset? It's going to start with shutting down Georgia's running game because that, while it hasn't been the most productive compared to last season, it's certainly Georgia's identity. They want to bully you a little bit and then open up the passing game. Um, and Missouri so far this season has done a very solid job uh, stopping the run. LSU ran all over them, which kind of is the one outlier of, of the year. Kentucky did a decent job, but Missouri won that game by 17, so it wasn't really an issue. Um, so Missouri's going to have to stop the run first because 
then if you can get Georgia to pass, Missouri's secondary, while it has some holes, is also pretty opportunistic, and they might get a, t- a takeaway or two. And obviously, if you're going to go play the top-ranked team in their building, you're going to have to get some takeaways or some clutch stops or something to turn the game because you're probably just not going to go win a straight-up game where you're just punting or scoring back and forth. Kansas State's at Texas. Uh, you know, Kansas State, uh, you know, they this two-quarterback system with Johnson and Howard is you know, certainly at least uh, on the scoreboard working. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but it has. Uh, Texas expected to be without Quinn Ewers one more time. How do you handicap that game on Saturday? Kansas State is the single most frustrating team <laughs> because every single yeah. year they figure out a new way to start winning. And just like you pointed out there, they're finding out a different way to start winning in the middle of the season, too. So everything you watched early and you're like, man, that that really kind of bothered me. I don't think that's sustainable or maybe I, I wish they'd start doing something here. And then it kind of flips in October because good coaches adjust. And that's what that's what staff that staff is consistently. But, man, they've been so good the last two weeks that I think I'm leaning toward Kansas State, even though it is on the road. But when you throw in a backup quarterback, that complicates the whole thing. I think Kansas State has just been so solid defensively lately and unlocked a different piece of their offense that they didn't have earlier this year. Um, but that, it's one of those games I feel like I could look pretty dumb on on Saturday because Texas being at home and defense has certainly been a strength for them this year, um, short of that Oklahoma game. But Kansas State, as much as we're impressed by what the offense has done lately, is certainly not Oklahoma's offense. Can you give me some suggestions? How can I erase that Kansas State game on, I think it was a Friday night at Oklahoma State. How can I just erase that from my alleged brain? You know, I would love to do the same thing too. I remember I I was just watching that game pretty much in, in awe, given what Oklahoma State had been to that point as well. Because, I mean, if we want to talk about another impressive turnaround, holy cow, Oklahoma State at 2-2, yeah. two and two, yeah. getting smoked by South Alabama, losing to Iowa State, which that, that game, I believe, had a total going in of like 36. Like, there was not supposed to be any scoring in that game, and then there were 61 points. So I, <laughs> I'm with you. Watching that game was bizarre, but it was kind of the precursor to, oh, Oklahoma State um, is kind of figuring this out. And you've, you've definitely seen that over the last few weeks. But, yeah, Kansas State, it seems like they always have that one game every year. Last year, um, I believe it was Troy. Um, and it, or No, I think it was Tulane last year. Um, but it's just like, what, what is happening? And then they, they're just this solid 9-10 win team the rest of the way. It is confusing to me. So, well, I'm look for I'm looking forward to watch that game on Saturday. So maybe I can, maybe I, I like Kansas State before the season started, and they were so bad at the first you know September. I just kind of uh, you know etched them from my you know my, my prediction brain, uh, and so now I'm trying to figure out oh, do I really want to get back on these guys again or not? I'm not sure what to do. Exactly. That's I mean that is the the weekly struggle. Uh, in October, somebody gets a win, and it's like, is this just college football happening, or is this right. the start of something? That's very true. David, always appreciate talking to you. I'm sure we'll catch up to you sometime later in the month or early December for sure. Absolutely, Bob. Enjoy it. Thank you. You too. David Kenyon from Bleacher Report.